everybody. You're listening to the 17th episode of HBP. I'm DeCarlo Calloway alongside Dorian. And on today's podcast, we explore space for beer ingredients, crown baseball champions in Latin America, explain why the vetting process is necessary, and act Ziggy Stardust is a lifelong Venus. But we, st- we will start off this show like we do every single day. First, checking in on what it is that we are drinking. So, Dorian, what's going on today, brother? How you how you hanging in there? You caught me in a compromising position. I'm actually fastening up my space suit right now as we go as we blast off on this space edition of HVP, the 17th episode. So today, I'm having a beer from a local brewery. Of course, it's called the beer is called NGC 4993. It's a Hefeweizen. I had I had it from uh, I got it from a sixty four ounce growler, and it's the brewing company is called G thirty four point three Brewing Company in Lorton, Virginia, uh, just outside of uh, Washington D.C. I think that's probably about an hour south, something like that. Uh, the nation's capital, which is again, it's been in the news recently. So, what in the world did I just spit out? The name of the beer NGC forty nine ninety three is named after a lenticular galaxy. And now lenticular galaxy means that the shape of it is between an elliptical and spiral. And NGC 4993 is 140 million light years away from Earth. Uh, now the brewing company, G34.3, they are massive fans of space. And that's why they named it after uh, a cloud up in, up in, up in space. And one more interesting thing about this beer that's named after the NGC 4993. This place has a massive, as I said, no, this place is called scientifically supermassive black hole. What does that mean? It's actually the largest type of black hole that we've found, not this specific one, but its family. And the, it's, the size of it is about a mi- millions to billions the times the mass of our sun, which is almost incomprehensible. So like I said, the brewing company, G34.3 Brewing Company, is named after the largest deep space cosmic cloud of ethanol. It was discovered in 1995. And this cloud of ethanol has enough ethanol to supply 300,000 pints of beer to every single person on earth every single day for the next billion years. You're talking about organic, DiCarlo? That no, there's nothing more organic than having good brew, good brewed beer from um, from space. So, what exactly is ethanol? Ethanol is also called alcohol. It's called ethyl alcohol, ethyl alcohol, and it's a grain alcohol. It's a clear, colorless liquid. Uh, basically, it's made from starch from plant when plants are fermented and then distilled into sugar, which then finally microbes turn into ethanol. And so. Ethanol is also used in cosmetics, beauty products, what have you. And it's also used in a lot of hand sanitizers, which is very important right now during the time of a pandemic, COVID-19. So I'm sure places like Costco, Walmart, uh, CVS, uh, Dwayne Reed are all sold out of a lot of this hand sanitizer. But if you've gotten your spaceship and went 10,000 light years away, uh, you get all the ethanol and hand sanitizers, (laughs) hand sanitizers you needed. So I'm raising my massive jug, not not my massive jug, my massive mug of beer and fastening my spacesuit. So, um, DiCarlo, what are you going to have today? So I am drinking 
perfect peach herbal tea from uh, Bigelow Tea. So um, it's Bigelow Tea is just normal tea is sold in the supermarkets, at least up in the Northeast. Um, and they always have a, an ad that comes on during Jeopardy. Uh, but one of their uh, notable spokespersons was former Yankee manager uh, Joe Torre. But yeah, I was in the mood, nice day, nice and subtle evening, just to have a nice warm cup of tea. So and you I'm didn't it very in. chill. You didn't um, spike it with uh, some rum or bourbon or cough uh, syrup. No, no. Sometimes you're just going to have your tea just normal. I'm just kind of feeling, especially because it's pretty like like cold outside today. So mm. having that uh, nice, nice hot, warm cup of tea just make you feel your insides feel all good. That's kind of how I feel. I sound like I don't know. I feel like just want to be in a cabin or something. So yeah. So is this the tea that you brew, or is it like tea like tea from a bottle, like rivals to Nantucket nectars or whatever? Oh no, it's brewed tea. So it's just you buy. You oh know, okay. Yeah, tea box. You know, throw a tea Got bag it. in a cup of water and let it brew out. So. Who knew that Joe Torre drank tea as he was plotting the overtake of the American League throughout the the nineties and the early two thousands? Yeah, he said it in the I commercial. In the commercial, he said his diet his dietitian uh, recommended it. So. Yeah. <laughs> You know what also you know who also recommended him uh promoting big low tea? Oh his accountant. He's like, yeah, yeah th th sure. that check is big enough, so go ahead and put your <laughs> put your face on TV to to, to promote this. Ain't that but, the truth. Yeah, and then we we not only promote local breweries to support good American jobs, we will support good healthy tea that top dietitians also recommend. And we also recommend you, dear listener, to tweet us a picture of whatever it is that you drink when you enjoy your downtime, when you're watching some sports, or when you're listening to the podcast. Our Twitter handle is at HBP4040 and use the hashtag HBPDrink and we'll be happy, like I said, to retweet it. So speaking of enjoying some drinks with sports, it's we want to show, we want to show, we want to share with you the new champions of Latin America. Last week, we talked about the, the team's name Giant, who were in the finals in the Dominican Republic, the best winter league in all of Latin America. The Aguilas, the Eagles, defeated the Gigantes, the Giants, four games to three. It went to, a, it went to, it went the full series, seven games. So congratulations to the Eagles, Aguilas, who defeated the Giants, the Gigantes, in the Dominican Republic. And going over to Nicaragua, another country that loves their baseball and they have a uh, good quality winter league baseball in this case the giants are the champions of nicaragua and they defeated the the, the gigantes de rivas the giants of rivas defeated the tigers the tigres the, the chinandega four games to two and this was a very weird series because chinandega was up two games to one and even in game four, they were up two runs to nothing and the bullpen absolutely imploded and they lost the next three games and that they lost the series. And it was it was uh, frustrating to watch. But I want to give you very, very quick, very quick highlights. I was really impressed. Both the stadiums were absolutely packed and they were following guidelines. The overwhelming majority of the fans were wearing masks. Oh, that's good. And in game one. HBP's favorite Nicaraguan baseball DJ, because remember, HBP's favorite base, favorite DJ is our own DiCarlo, but our favorite Nicaraguan baseball DJ is, is he, he spins records for Chinandega, and in the bottom of the seventh, sure enough, he played, I got the power! I won't, I won't sing it again, but I, you know what I mean. A <laughs> yeah. great 90s, 
song. <laughs> but Sometimes I love came that, to Nicaragua. <laughs> exactly. The, 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 the fans of Chinandega are awesome. They have that band. Like I said a few, few episodes ago, they have a brass, they have drums, they play songs, and they have so much energy. The the other the other fans are are uh, pumping up and down uh, colored balloons. It's a it looks like a great atmosphere to be at. And it I would love to next year go to the finals, uh, whoever ends up playing. As we, I would hope it would be Chinadea because they have the best fans in Nicaragua. Um, and what uh, a funny thing that that made me laugh was in game three back in Chinandega. This is like, these are things that could only happen to Latin America. <laughs> the Carlo there, it was in the middle of the game. I think it was in the fourth or fifth inning of game three. And so, suddenly you see this big cloud of smoke in the outfield. <laughs> wow. And I was like, and I kind of had the game like low on volume. I was doing something else, but I was still watching. And I was like, and I turned it up and I was like, what's going on? I, I guess someone just, you know, uh, set off firecrackers in the state, in the state, in, in the stands, or maybe somewhere outside. Wrong. What actually happened <laughs> in Chinandega? There's they're they're very famous for what they make, which is carne asada, which is uh, uh, which is like smoked meat. It's a very famous dish in Nicaragua, and in Chinandega, they're known to be the best to make to make that. So this calls for a lot of coal. A lot of it's it's a smoke it's it's very smoky like if you ever go to one it's just so much smoke coming out of the kitchen but it tastes absolutely delicious mm, so of course good. the vendors were making it outside and then the wind <laughs> carried it from behind home plate out there and even the players they they were complaining they were like we can't see mm. and but of course being Latin America they didn't stop the game they're like player safety what's that so. <laughs> It was so it was funny because I was like, of course, this would happen in a Latin American game. Just the vendor smoke was so heavy that it looked like fire uh, firecrackers um, uh, went off. But um, ultimately, like I said, the Giants from Rivas, the Gigantes, won in, in six games. And in game six, they absolutely demolished Chinandega. 16 runs to three. It was a sad way to end the mm. season for them. But cheers to the Gigantes of Rivas. Cheers to the Eagles in Dominican Republic. Mm. So that uh, we have now crowned our Latin American champions and I'm sure they're busy designing their championship rings. Yeah, I'm just thinking about the carne asada smoke. I can imagine how good that must have smelled. Oh, I, I, I imagine it smelled so good, but... <laughs> I mean, a huge game. distraction, but still, <laughs> like... Like, yeah. I mean, that's a good distraction. I think also just considering that I haven't smelled like good cooked meat like outdoors mm. in such a long time yeah. because it's you know like just imagining that and just sitting back and like oh man that must have been like it it would be hilarious if that happened here in the u.s and let's say world series game in uh, let's say the kansas city royals had it and there was so much barbecue smoke <laughs> coming in from like tailgating that it would be hilarious but yeah, you don't see that here because yeah uh, yeah crazy, crazy so you know we love baseball and we're always uh, doing research. Uh, you know, I love doing my research for Latin American baseball, but someone else didn't do their research and now they're in trouble. And I think yeah. DiCarlo wants to bring that up. Yeah. So, you know, the Mets, for some reason, you would think that this is almost like a Met podcast because we've spoken so much about like Steve Cohen and, you know, what they're doing. But unfortunately they had a little mishap when it came to hiring their, uh, 
new general manager. So ESPN reported about Jared Porter, who they hired from the Cubs and previously worked with the Diamondbacks and the Red Sox. And um, he sent over 60 plus unanswered text messages, including unsolicited pics of his junk uh, to a foreign reporter, which is really troubling. And I mean, of course, looking at the, the climate, cult, like the culture climate in terms of Me Too and, you know, coming to a, a realization of how, you know, men in power and positions of authority tend to utilize it, unfortunately, in terrible ways when it comes to trying to solicit sexual favors or stuff for advancement for women in the field. And this is just another poor example of a situation like that taken, you know, uh, happening unfortunately and the worst part about it is is that this happened back in was it 2016 i I believe and it only came to light now and there has not been a a, a vetting of this man through this whole process and you know unfortunately it came to light but i will get commend the mets at least they acted really quickly like not even really sitting back and allowing it to fester too much and plus i don't think they really could because i mean think about it one thing that was brought up about Steve Cohen and his uh, his hedge fund was the fact that they've had allegations of uh, sexual harassment and sexual misconduct. So, you know, he, he and his people moved really quickly on that. And, you know, now I think that's something that's even uh, more pressing as you start seeing more women in, you know, front office positions right. in baseball or even just like reporters. It's, it's really, like, for one, guys, we have a really bad inclination to just want to show off our junk sometimes. And it's like that, that impulse from when we were kids has sometimes not left the building as adults. And, you speak know, for yourself. speak for yourself. Anyway, I'm just saying it's, 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 it's really poor. And I just, it's, it, it just, it, it highlights the importance of having to vet people fully and thoroughly, especially when it comes to being in positions of authority or even in the media, because as a general manager, you are the face of the organization in terms of speaking about what the front office is doing, uh, that individual who's making those strategic moves for players and to have that culture in, in an organization is not a really good thing. And Carlo, it's, it's past time that like, this is just, it's, it's pretty pathetic at this point. To Carlo, when I, when I read this, this, this came out, I think about earlier this week, not even a week ago, I was, I, uh, there's so much to unpack here. The, the fact that, the New York Mets, they've been the toast of Major League Baseball since Steve, Uncle Steve, Steve Cohen bought the team. They hired, they rehired Sandy Alderson to be, what is it, the, the VP of Baseball Operations, which is a very big job. And then, and then Mr. Alderson, Alderson, excuse me, hired the, a former executive from the Chicago Cubs, uh, Jared Porter, as the general manager. And, and Jared Porter's only been in his new position with the New York Mets, I think, for about a month. And then this came out. And you start to think, uh, let, I, I, I wish I could give you a reference of where I, I read this, but I believe I remember correctly that the Chicago Cubs knew about these air quote allegations. I, I don't even know, Mr. Porter needs, this man needs some kind of psychiatric help. How in the world is an individual going to send, forget about the explicit photos, send six over 60 unanswered text messages. If a man did that to another woman, if a woman did that to a man, if a man did that to a man, if a woman did that to another woman, however you want to break this down, that is borderline psychotic. 
if you're trying to court someone, and by the way, everyone, Mr. Porter sent over 60 unanswered text messages to a female foreign, uh, I think, foreign reporter who covered, I believe it was the Chicago Cubs or I think Major League Baseball as a whole. After, look, if you're courting someone, if you're flirting with someone, if someone doesn't respond two or three times of the text messages, you're just a freaking stalker at that point. You got, you got to know, like, you know what? Maybe, you know, maybe she's not interested. Yeah. Maybe he's not interested in me. You know, like take, take a hint, man, take a hint. And the fact that allegedly the Chicago Cubs knew about this and they did nothing. And I think Alderson said, I'm not point. I'm not laying, I'm not pointing the finger at uncle Steve or, or Alderson, but how in the world does this not come up? I, again, you would also think that someone who's done this, like Mr. Porter, during his interview process, he wouldn't say, so like, as, if, as if Mr. Al Alderson would say, so Jared, uh, so tell me about you. Like, tell, tell me about a, a time that you've added value to a team. So tell me how you work in, uh, in, a, in a stressful environment. You would just say about the things that you've done, the things you've accomplished, the, that, the value that you've added, like your normal job interview. You would not bring up the fact that you have sent um compromising pictures of yourself in uh, in your birthday suit to someone who didn't want to see that you wouldn't say oh by the way i'm a kind of a borderline psycho for texting someone 60 plus times and they didn't they just probably missed it they just probably changed their phone number i'm i, I was reading these articles about jared porter and i was just i was basically shaking my head the whole time it's like what the hell is wrong with you and and DeCarlo's right this and I I applaud Uncle Steve Steve Cohen the the new owner of the New York Mets by immediately firing this person it wasn't about oh we have to step back we have to do our, our own internal investigations he's like nope you're gone this is I, I, I he he tweeted something to Carlo something about um this is oh zero tolerance is what he said Steve Cohen said yeah. zero tolerance he's gone that's it because Steve Cohen knows the the, the bad things that happen when when this when this is brought into an organization because of the 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 sexual misconduct cases that were brought in, uh, brought up uh, versus uh, his own hedge fund. So I applaud Uncle Steve for 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 applying previous hard earned knowledge. Also, from a business standpoint, Uncle Steve, you don't want his his new uh, acquisition to be tarnished by. Uh... Scandals such as this one that would bring too much uh, negative attention to light. So, I mean, there's the human consideration, and there's the ethical and business consideration, and you know, they they cross paths in this case where, you know, he needed to go, and you know, you did it to yourself, dude. If she's just not interested, or he's just not interested, they clearly don't want to see your junk, bro. Yeah, don't don't please people don't show up. Don't, don't, don't show up at people's jobs. Don't uh, unannounce if they don't want to see you. Don't send them endless text messages. Don't send them endless emails. Don't call them 100,000 times over, over seven days. There's a As, lot of dudes who do that. Learn your bro, ego. Man. Learn your, you know what? I remember there's a book, DeCarlo, called uh, Ego is the Enemy. And it was a big, it's a big best, bestseller. And the head coach of the of National Football League's team, the Seattle Seahawks, Pete Carroll, He's a huge proponent of that book and that ethos of a lot of times when we mess up in our personal relationships with family, romantic business relationships, it's because our emotions, it, our ego is like, surely me, surely, surely they wouldn't think that of me. And your ego gets so, you get so clouded your judgment that you realize your ego is the issue here, not 
not anything else. If someone doesn't like you, believe me, that hurts. People, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, um, I don't know, uh, name some famous female model. Like, they all, her, they have all had their heart broken. As crazy as it sounds, like Gal Gadot, some guy would not want to be with her. I guarantee you some guy has told her in her lifetime, Gal, it's not working out for me. Some girl has told Brad Pitt. Some woman has told Brad Pitt. Brad, like, you know, I'm not feeling it. Everybody oh, gets Jennifer rejected. Every, everybody gets rejected. It's going to be okay. Please don't put yourself in the position that Mr. Porter has. So, And, and speaking of books, you have a word from our sponsor. Walden Books. America finds it at Walden Books. So this past week... I'm sitting back and I was thinking to myself about what new literature I need to go and find. And unfortunately, with so many retailers out there and everybody shopping online, it takes it makes it really difficult to to really be able to get the touch and feel of a book and really know what it is. But you never lost that experience when you go to Walden. Walden, located in every mall in America, they have a selection of books that you can't find anywhere. Amazon, please. You go to Walton. And you know why? Because America finds it at Walton Books. Just remember, whenever you need to find your murder mysteries, young adults, history, mystic fiction, religious books, cookbooks, and the latter, America finds it at Walton Books. They do find it. And you know what else people have found? Potentially, they have found life on Venus. And that's where we're going to address in our new brand new spanking segment but 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 i have to ask but aren't women from venus and men from mars so clearly there was already life on venus so this is this is true and you can find that book at our show sponsor yes (laughs) but besides finding women on venus we've also found okay in that case they potentially have found other forms of life on venus besides the female species in our new segment, brand spanking new segment, Danger Will Robinson, aka travels into space, 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 space. I was very excited when I read this. I've actually been holding on to this for a little while here, just trying to push this down the road. But I finally have an opportunity to share this with you. If, as I'm sure a lot of our astronomy, uh, astronomy inclined listeners know, there there are. Apparently, there might be life on Mars, not the type of life that resembles anything like a beautiful woman like Eva Mendes. Shout out to Eva Mendes. She's an absolutely gorgeous woman. She was born in Miami, 305 till I die. But she was raised in hipster central, Silver, the Silver Lake neighborhood in Los Angeles. But let's talk about Venus. Venus, as we know, is the second planet from the sun. It's the it's very close. Well, in space terminology, it's close to Earth. It's rocky, and it's known to have an absolutely hellish environment. It has an atmosphere so thick that it traps solar radiation. And what that happens is uh, the temperatures are so high on Venus that it would actually be able to melt metal here on Earth if we, if we had the type of thick atmosphere as 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 they do in Venus. And because of this heat, 
the surface pressure is so high that it's it would be as if you're standing in the middle of the ocean thousands of feet below it's that type of pressure it's crazy so some of these some of the people who wrote this paper who actually did the observations and, and the tests are from our beloved alumni uh, not alumni our beloved alma mater we are alumni of the university of manchester in england uh, dr anita richards she was a team member for this uh, life on venus study cardiff university also from the good people over in wales in great britain uh, and Professor Jane Greaves was the lead there, and also a small, a, a little small university in Boston, Massachusetts, called the uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, was also part of the team. I'm joking, people. MIT, bunch of smarty pants. So what they did was that. So Dorian, so tell me about this life on Mars. I don't want to know about Eva Mendes. I want to know about life. Apparently, they discovered phosphine. In Are we talking about life of Venus? Venus? Oh, I'm sorry. I go back to Z Ziggy Stardust. Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, he, he's Mars, he's yeah. living on Mars. And he, then he looked over at Venus and he said, hey, guys, there might be life over there as well. I'm sorry. So they discovered phosphine, phosphine in the clouds of Venus. Now, here on Earth, phosphine is only made, only made industrially. And or the two ways. The second way, it's it's uh, it's made by microbes that thrive in oxygen-free environments. Now, the periodic, is it the periodic element? But whatever, the scientific number for this is pH3 for phosphine. It's a biosignature, and it's basically, it's a biosignature is any glass in it, any gas in a planetary atmosphere that is produced by life, by life, by life. It's very exciting, and uh, they, this was, they published a paper back on the 14th of September in 2020 in the academic journal, Nature Astronomy. So why is this interesting? Because pH3 was detected in Venus's atmosphere, which is a promising sign of life. And even the, the, the minuscule amount of phosphine that they found is completely unexpected in a atmosphere that Venus has. It, it, it basically shocked, it close to shocked them, even though obviously scientists would never use the word shock. And pH3 is actually only found in the giant planets in the solar system like Jupiter, uh, et cetera. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm blanking. <laughs> Saturn, <laughs> Neptune, Saturn. Uranus. There you go, Jupiter and Saturn. Goodness, see this, this, uh, this beer yeah, that I have. I got you. Actually, people, this is actually pretty good. The uh, NGC forty nine ninety three has really hit me. Uh, so the the ethanol that this was purely organic made was uh, is very good. So it's just very exciting to know that when we talk about life uh, in other planets, we always think about like, oh, it would be a humanoid type that they could talk and they could communicate with us, but even microbes in other planets or other moons is a big deal in when you were talking about the space. So uh, our beloved, not a well, Professor Greaves, the lady from Cardiff University, the team lead, she said that they found that the, uh, the they observed that a faint amount, and so it was. It's a big deal. And the last time a phosphine study was done, this again, this was done back in 2020. The last phosphine study of v, for Venus was done by the Soviet Vega-2 mission. The fact that I use the word Soviet tells you how old this was. The Soviet Vega-2 mission was completed back in 1985. So it's basically been 35 years since the last time they studied phosphine in Venus. So 
quote, I'm going to give you a quick quote, a quick quote on Professor Greaves. She said, a pH3 must be produced by a process not previously considered plausible for Venusian conditions. This could be unknown photochemistry or geochemistry or possibly life. Even if confirmed, we emphasize that the, that the detection of pH3 is not robust evidence for life, only for anomalous and unexplained chemistry, end quote. She wrote that like a true scientist. Basically what she means there is we found this, but it also may not mean life because if those of you who are have an understanding of academia, they are some of the harshest, worst critics. They will rip you apart if you say anything, anything uh, absolute. You cannot speak in absolutes in academia. So they're just covering their... Behind. They're left butt cheeks by saying this. But again, we congratulate uh, Professor Jane Greaves from Cardiff University, Dr. Anita Richards from the University of Manchester, and also the other team members from uh, MIT. This is very exciting. And these are also books on Venus that you can find at, uh, at Walden, Walden Books. books. <laughs> uh, Walden yeah. Books. And, and you can also, you know, drink your ethanol-based organic beer from any of your fine local breweries while you while you read your books and watch and and flip through the academic journal nature astronomy oh. it is really interesting because when you think about how like life on a planet and yeah you you know we always think of like you know humanoids intelligent life like what about like those microbes that could probably like come and get into you and then you know you turn it like venom you know what i mean like you, you Comic books kind of like set you up for some of these things. Like, I don't know, it just I, it, that came to mind. I'm like, what if it's some like microorganism that, that attaches to our organic chemistry and makeup and then creates some like superhuman, like humanoid? Who, who knows? I don't know. I'm just thinking abstractly. I was thinking, I was thinking of that movie uh, with Natasha Henstridge. Oh, Species. Uh, species. Yeah. She yeah. But the thing is, oh God, speaking of beautiful woman and yeah. again, Ladies, she was beautiful even in Hitch, man. Like, she's ladies, a really beautiful individual. And gentlemen, everyone has been rejected, even Natasha Henstridge. But in now that I, now that I said it out loud, I realized that she actually wasn't a, fem- a human, uh, an earthling female. She was actually like a an alien that came and then she had like those superpowers to heal her shoulder when she got into an accident. I don't remember what it was. Uh, I'm going to pour out, ladies and gentlemen, just for you, this delicious Hefeweizen. This is a big moment. This is, after this. Woo! I'm going to blast off with Ziggy Stardust after we, we we wrap this up. I'm joking. But um, what was I going to say about Natasha Henstridge? I don't remember, but. He's been drinking. Oh, and also, <laughs> well, DiCarlo, we also, let's not forget to mention and share with everyone that we're talking about microbes on Earth, not not just females who are from Venus and of course men are from Mars, but what about tribes, like more ancient tribes here on Earth who have said that they are from different solar, different, uh, different planets. planets. Solar systems, yeah. You got uh, the Dogon tribe and from Mali who says they're from like the star Sirius and they have yeah. a whole mythology behind uh, interactions with aliens. Um, also, like the ancient Sumerians, they they said that they were like overlords of the Anunnaki, who's like lizard people. Hence, some of the people who then say are controlling government, and you know, QAnon falls with that. But anyway, oh, um, yeah, the the idea of the humanoid lizards and stuff like that that like falls. They use the 
the stories of old mythology and interactions with this, the Superman race and, and say that they, you know, I don't know. It's a lot of stuff. But the Dogu, like you had said, who are modern Bengali, which is, Do I'm sorry, Dogon, you're right. They, they became famous in the West about, I want to say about 15, 20 years ago when a famous historian or anthropologist wrote a book about the Dogons, um, basically letting everyone in the West know that they believe they came, that they, that they were brought here from, not they were brought here, but their lords, their, over, their overlords came from the star Sirius. Kind of like what, when you're driving in your car, if you have the Sirius radio station, that Sirius is actually named after that. And the logo of Sirius is a dog because when you look up into the sky, Sirius is shaped like a dog. And what makes Sirius interesting is that it, had, it has two suns in its solar in one of the solar systems in there. And so that's, 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 that's actually pretty interesting to have two suns, but it's also not that uncommon in the known universe. Secondly, the Sumerians, uh, they were the black-headed people. That's what they called themselves because they had black hair. And, but they didn't, they didn't say they came from another planet. They were just saying that their, their overlords, their gods came from somewhere else. Um, of course, there were earthlings and a lot of their, we call it mythology, but, the, but the, a lot of their history actually is much older than a lot of the, a lot of the stories in Genesis in the judo Christian tradition, whether you call it the Torah or the Old Testament, their stories are much older than them. And a lot of Genesis parallels the old Sumerian mythology. Yeah, so like the I've epic with Gilgamesh that, with the flood. And, you know, yeah, I have I always like found that unbelievably interesting that the Sumerians were basically... All those mythologies were written much earlier. And also Abram, I call him Abram because he was Sumerian, but Abraham, the, yeah, he was a, a Chaldean, which is part of uh, Sumeria. He was from Ur, yeah. His father was a, a priest for uh, the Sumerian god. I mean, whatever. Please, no hate mail, people. I'm just telling you, like, actual historical fact. But he was uh, Abram, who then changed his name to Abraham, was actually a, a Sumerian. So going from Sumerian on Earth to Venus, listening to some uh, David Bowie records, Ziggy Stardust, loved him. We loved uh, David Bowie, so we want to cheers everyone for um, joining us, having drinks with us. And speaking of dogs, like Siri, Sirius, excuse me, tweet us a picture of your pet listening to the podcast, looking up to the stars, sleeping, or watching you have your favorite Hefeweizen or coffee. Tweet us a picture of your pet. We'll be Happy to, happy to retweet it. Our Twitter handle is at HBP4040. Remember to use the hashtag HBPETS. All right. And that is a wrap for us on this 17th episode. We want to thank you again for listening. Please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at HBP4040, and our drinks will be in the show notes. Make sure you join us next time for a brand new episode of HPP, Baseball Podcast.